Father, we do thank you that this uh, world is not our home, that all that goes on is temporal, and that even in the midst of that, that uh, you are faithful for those who love you, you to turn the things that are meant for evil for good. Father, I thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of your Son. You're so kind and so merciful. And I pray for your people today that we would be encouraged, that our hearts would be drawn out of the circumstances and onto higher and more glorious things as we look at what you have said is true, what you declare is right. And Father, I pray that uh, we be renewed in the spirit of our minds. I also pray for anyone listening today who doesn't know you yet, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would work uh, the heart of stone and break it apart and cause them to be sensitive to sin and to receive and trust in your son Jesus, the Savior. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We commit it to you now in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, for each and every one of us who desire to follow Jesus, there's going to be difficult times. You know, we're all going through difficult times in the world now with this coronavirus, that's no doubt. Um, But for believers, there's more than that. Uh, The Bible talks about the reality that in this world, Jesus says, you'll have trouble. Now, the trouble that we're going to have as believers is usually based on the reality of trusting Christ and then uh, walking rightly in Him and then having difficulties come because of that, because of doing what is right. We're going to have difficulties for righteousness' sake. And then we're going to encounter various trials also. There are trials that come upon us. There are, there are relational trials. There are financial trials. There are physical trials, whatever it might be. And as we suffer as believers, whether it's suffering for Christ directly or suffering in the context of trials, we might uh, be tempted or we are tempted to have our eyes pulled off of Jesus. And we are at risk of our faith momentarily faltering. But as we're going to see today, the Lord cares for us and does not want our faith to falter in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trials and suffering. And indeed, as we'll see today in the context of the Thessalonians' suffering, that they they were suffering for their faith in Jesus, having been persecuted by their own countrymen. They were at risk of succumbing to the tempter's temptation. They were at risk of being emotionally overwhelmed by those difficulties. And the Apostle Paul was greatly concerned that in those difficulties their faith might waver. Now, I understand that this current situation we're going through in our country with this coronavirus is not specifically suffering for Christ. We understand that. But as it does affect people, sometimes we can be tempted to have our eyes pulled off of Jesus. And because there are physical trials associated with this, there's even death. And so how can we stand firm in the midst of suffering? Well, today we go back to our series in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be looking at how we can endure real threats to our faith in Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking really closely at verses 1 through 5, and then just touching on verse 6 today. Now, you might remember back a month or so ago in our last time in 1 Thessalonians, the context of this book. In Acts chapter 16, uh, the writer, inspired by the Spirit, reveals that Paul and his companions were led by the Spirit of God across the Aegean Sea to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. And it's at that point we have the account of the birth of the Philippian church, And then after Paul and his companions had been treated shamefully in Philippi, they journeyed some 50 miles to Thessalonica. And in chapter 17 of Acts, we have the account of the Apostle Paul remaining there for a little over three weeks, sharing the word of God with these Thessalonians. And then the Jews, non-believing Jews of the city, became enraged at his teaching concerning Jesus and created a riot. And they took Paul's host, 
Jason captive, holding him responsible for Paul's behavior. Paul then left the city, uh, traveling southward to Berea, and began to preach the word of God again. However, the Jews from Thessalonica followed him, creating an up- another uprising. And then Paul left the city and went to Athens. Now he remained there a short time and then went on to Corinth. And as we're going to see, the Apostle Paul was very concerned for the Thessalonians' faith in Jesus Christ. He was concerned that in the midst of their persecutions, that faith might waver. And so he sent Timothy from Athens back to Thessalonica to strengthen and encourage them as to the faith. And we'll see that today. And then Paul went on to Corinth. It's then in Corinth that the Apostle Paul received Timothy's report back, and this letter is his response to Timothy's report concerning the Thessalonians. Now, it dates sometime around the spring of 50 A.D. So the church is less than a year old in the faith, and Paul writes this letter back to them. Now, in chapter 1, we have the testimony of the Thessalonians' conversion. First of all, through the Apostle Paul sharing his thankfulness regarding their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his thankfulness for their response to the gospel, which came in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And then we have the testimony of their faith having been broadcast, that it came back from people sharing what happened in Thessalonica back to the ears of the Apostle Paul and his companions. Their response to the gospel had been broadcast to believers everywhere. How they had turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who delivers us from the wrath to come. Hey, they really got saved. Praise the Lord. No questioning there. Praise the Lord. And then we came to chapter 2 where we saw the Apostle Paul begin to defend himself in regards to the manner in which he and his companions had come to these Thessalonians, the manner in which they had shared the gospel. And indeed, I believe in line with what we'll see today, Satan was using wicked men to tempt these Thessalonians not to see Paul and his companions rightly and thus have them pulled away from those who had brought them the word and were bringing the word to them. Yet in light of Satan's strategy of slander, Paul defends himself. And in chapter 2, we see that he and his companions imparted the word from the right motives. And they also imparted their lives in a loving manner as they shared the word of God. And it's in this context he reminded them of his right behavior unto the right goal, which is walking in a manner worthy of God. And then in chapter 2, verse 13, we saw how it is we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul was so thankful for the Thessalonians' reception and then internal acceptance of the Word of God, which performs its work in you who believe. And it's from this point in which the Apostle Paul has been defending himself, we then saw in our last two times in 1 Thessalonians, How can we know the word of God is at work in us? And as we looked at the Thessalonians example, we saw, first of all, we can know because it brings about persecution from those around us who knew us before we came to Christ. There's a change in our relationships. Indeed, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus, you are automatically delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, and we immediately have a spiritual enemy. And those within his domain, our spiritual enemy's domain, become our temporal enemies in a sense. Even though it's our battle's not against flesh and blood, it's against those that are behind them. And so with this, we also saw the second thing, which was an evidence of how we know God's word is working in that we are would be a joy to those who minister to us. A joy and, and something that would cause them to rejoice in the day of Christ when his work is manifest of what he did through the word of God in those specifically Thessalonians. And it's from this point we come to chapter 3, in which I believe we're going to see, as I've mentioned, how we can stand firm in the midst of suffering. Now again, as we're going to see, it's suffering for Christ, but yet the applications here go all throughout everything we could go through as believers, as we're going to see, because it has to do with our faith in Jesus Christ. 
So I believe we're going to see how to endure real threats to our faith in Jesus. I'm going to start chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent out to find about, find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. And then I want to read on for context. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we are comforted about you, about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Well, I really wish we had time to teach this whole portion, but we'll primarily look at verses 1 through 5 with a, a little peek at what's coming up next. So how is it we can stand firm in the midst of suffering? Maybe you're suffering in a marriage with a spouse that's not saved. You've trusted Jesus and now it's very difficult. Or you're doing the right thing in the context of whatever it might be and you are suffering. Or you're suffering a trial or, or, or there's a, a difficulty that has come upon you. Whatever it might be. You see, our faith is at risk when we are suffering. So we need to be aware of what God says and what he desires and how he desires to protect us. So how can we stand firm in our faith in the midst of suffering? Well, first of all, we need to, and we know this already, but we need to remember that God uses his word to strengthen and encourage us as to our faith in Jesus. That's what he does. That's how he does it. It's that simple, but yet we forget so easily when we get caught up in trials. So then, out of great concern, Paul sacrificially sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage these Thessalonians as to, or to encourage them in their faith. Verse 1, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy. Notice our passage begins with the term therefore, which reveals this portion is connected to what we learned in chapter 2. And so let's go back and read a little bit of what we learned in chapter 2. Look at uh, verse 13 back in chapter 2. And for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And he's going to explain. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For, he's going to explain, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been bereft of you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face." For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. Yet Satan thwarted us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, therefore, when we thought it bad, when we could endure it no longer... So because of the suffering you were going through for Christ, having been orphaned from you, therefore because of our great desire to see your face, 
Therefore, because of our great concern for your spiritual condition, therefore, because of our eternally vested interest in God's work he is, that he's doing in you, therefore, chapter 3, verse 1, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy. Paul's ministry was driven by a loving concern for the spiritual welfare of those he had ministered to. You see, Paul had not only imparted the word, he had imparted his life and was truly concerned for these Thessalonians. He understood that they were being persecuted by their countrymen, just like the Jews persecuted Jewish believers. He understood that persecution and opposition was ultimately aimed at Christ and those who give the word, just as they killed Jesus, the prophets, and ran Paul out of town. He had tried to see them, but Satan had thwarted his attempts. Paul was deeply concerned for their spiritual warfare in the midst of their affliction. So what does he do? Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we'll endure what no longer? Obviously, the great concern he had for the Thessalonians. He didn't know how they were doing in the faith. He couldn't endure it any longer. He didn't know how they were doing. So what does he do? He says, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone. Verse 2, and we sent Timothy. Now, what we just read in verse 1 is, is, is pregnant with uh, the words in that verse are pregnant with the love and concern which the Apostle Paul had for these Thessalonians. And what do I mean by that? The word translated, we thought it best, means we were well pleased. We were, we were determined. It stresses a willingness to do good. And the word left behind in the passive voice here stresses the idea of being forsaken or abandoned. We were well pleased, very willing to be abandoned, forsaken. We were gladly abandoned in Athens alone. Alone. See, the Apostle Paul was willingly and selflessly glad to be abandoned in Athens alone. Obviously, thus, Timothy was much needed. And yet Paul was glad to be forsaken and abandoned of Timothy's blessed company and encouragement in the ministry for the Thessalonians' sake. And folks, if you've ever been in the midst of the battle, the good fight of faith, what are some of the most blessed realities in those times? Is it not those of faith around you who encourage you in Christ, those in whom you serve with? Yes. So it was a sacrifice for Paul to send Timothy. It was, he was extremely valuable to him therefore when we couldn't do it no do it no longer we thought it best to be left behind in athens alone we sent timothy and notice how timothy is described now he was mentioned earlier in chapter one paul timothy and sylvanus or silas and notice how he's described verse two our brother and god's fellow worker in the gospel of christ now, who is this Timothy guy? Well, we have a lot in the word concerning Timothy. And indeed, Scripture points to the fact that he was a native of either Derby or Lystra. These are two little towns in the area of Galatia. His mother was a Jew by the name of Eunice. His grandmother, Lois, his father was a Greek. He was not circumcised until he journeyed with Paul, an indication he was probably educated in Greek culture. We know from 2 Timothy that he learned the truth concerning salvation in Christ from the scriptures, that he was taught the scriptures from childhood by his believing mother Eunice and his believing grandmother Lois. How awesome. Don't ever, dis don't ever discredit how important it is to share the word of God, even if there's a non-believer in the family, to share it with your children and your grandchildren. Don't ever, ever underestimate that. Ladies, keep sharing the word of God with your children and your grandchildren. Now, we don't know when he was converted, but probably it was through his, uh, through his grandma and his, uh, his mother. That's where he learned the truth concerning salvation. What we do know, by the time he met the apostle Paul in Acts 16, he had already become a disciple and was of such proven character as a young man that Paul wanted him to go with him. 
Acts chapter 16, and I'll read this for you. And he came also to Derbe and to Lystra, that's uh, Paul. And he, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. That's awesome. But his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted this man to go with him. Folks, I don't think we understand how exclusively or extensively, not exclusively, but extensively the Apostle Paul, uh, Timothy was a part of the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul speaks of him as his true child in the faith, his beloved son in the Lord. He speaks of him as a co-worker, a fellow servant, a fellow slave. And in our passage, he says that he is our brother or his brother, a fellow worker, a God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. Timothy was with Paul in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and Corinth, Ephesus, and Rome. He was associated with the writings of some of his epistles, such as 2 Corinthians, Colossians, Philippians, Romans, and here as we see in 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Indeed, when Paul wrote letters to Timothy, we have First and Second Timothy. He calls him, First Timothy 6.11, a man of God. And who were Paul's last inspired words to? They were to Timothy. Timothy was of great use to Paul because he was so willing and faithful to do anything Paul wanted him to do in the Lord. And we're going to see that. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. We see a little bit about Timothy and what Paul says about him. Philippians chapter 2. Timothy was a good guy. He wasn't a maverick in ministry. He was a, a, a godly man, submissive to the spiritual authority in the context God had brought, and a blessing to those he ministered to. Philippians 2.19 But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Timothy was a good guy in the Lord. And Paul selflessly was willing to let him go because he was concerned about the Thessalonians. And what does our passage say about him? He says, we sent Timothy back in our passage, verse 2, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. He describes him first as our brother. This, this man's a believer. Timothy is in the family of God. He was born again. He's a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He and Paul were brothers in the faith. An eternally higher relationship than earthly families. He's our brother. He's our brother. And the next notice, he describes him as God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. That's a pretty amazing statement. God's fellow worker. Timothy is joined in the ministry with God himself. God's fellow worker. This implies very clearly that Timothy was not doing his own will and ministry like we see so much everywhere. He wasn't doing it his way, but he was doing God's work. He was God's fellow worker. Did you notice the word work? Genuine ministry involves work. If you are truly serving the Lord by his power and strength according to his word, you are a fellow worker. God's fellow worker. We'll get to work. Well, what was this work specifically? He was God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, our passage says. And folks, the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ, God who took on human flesh, The good news that he died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and that he rose from the dead and appeared. 
And even within that simplest, simple gospel at its core, it, the, the implications and, ex, and expansions on the gospel are so much grander, we even see, for those who have come to faith. We see this in the book of Romans. As the Apostle Paul lays forth the gospel in a grand manner, the simplicity of the gospel, how it really affects us as believers. Tremendous reality. Timothy was willing to do whatever the Apostle Paul wanted him to do as the Lord led him. He was God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. He was a worker in the word. A worker in the word. And remember what the Apostle Paul said concerning the gospel of Christ, what he said about the word, the ministry. Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him. We proclaim him. It's about Jesus Christ. Admonishing every man and teaching every man that we represent every man completing Christ. Timothy was God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. Now one side note, um, the Apostle Paul fire, fired, followed his own inspired advice. He followed and his own inspired, followed inspired or so. He followed his own inspired advice. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Paul did that with Timothy as he called Timothy to do the same in his last words to him. So the Apostle Paul was selflessly willing to be abandoned and let Timothy go for the sake of the Thessalonians. And Timothy of such proven worth who would, who would have the same heart towards the Thessalonians was very obviously willing to go. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, back in chapter uh, 3, verse 1 of Thessalonians, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens. And we sent, we sent Timothy, and notice he's described as our brother and fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. But why did he send him? Why did he send him? Notice what he says. End of verse 2. To strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. Timothy was sent for a specific purpose to strengthen and encourage these Thessalonians literally now in the Greek for the sake of your faith, for the sake of your faith, your faith in Jesus Christ, to strengthen and encourage for the sake of your faith or or, or as to your faith. You see, we're going to see again when we go through trials, whatever it might be, it is our faith in Jesus that is at risk. Our faith is everything because it's the core of our relationship with Jesus. It's how we began our relationship with Jesus. It's how we walk with him. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Colossians 2 verse 6. And it's so important that we see when we are suffering, Satan attacks attacks our faith when we're suffering. So Timothy was sent out out of great concern to strengthen and encourage these Thessalonians for the sake of their faith. Now the term strengthen, we've seen this word before, comes from the Greek word sterizo. It's where we get our word steroid. You can understand that. It speaks of setting up something so that it is immovable or fixed. Thus it speaks of removing instability. And here in the context regarding faith. You see, we can become unstable in the midst of difficulties that come upon us. Now the word encourager literally means to call to one side. It speaks of encouraging, exhorting, imploring, comforting. Calling someone to one side and speaking to them in a way that is encouraging. And it's in the context, it's the word of God that's used, as we'll see. Is this not what we need when we are in the midst of difficulties? When we are tempted to waver in our trust in Jesus Christ, it's not that we don't believe what God has said. We just don't practically trust him in those moments. Our eyes have been pulled off Jesus. And so our trials and difficulties strike at the core of our trust in our Lord, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, we can become unstable and discouraged in regards to the faith. And faith is the core issue of our passage. It's mentioned in verse 2, in verse 5, in verse 6, in verse 7, and in verse 10. It's talking about faith. But it is not God's desire 
that we become unstable and discouraged. That's not his desire at all. You remember what Jesus prayed for Peter? He said, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. He said, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But Jesus' desire, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you return, go strengthen your brothers. And that's what Peter did. And so here, the Apostle Paul is sharing the heart of our Lord through his heart. It is not God's desire that we become unstable or discouraged. God wants us to stand firm in the faith. Look down a little farther at verse 7 of this chapter. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your, what, faith. For now we really live if you stand from the Lord. And I understand that so well. We really live if you stand firm in Christ, if you trust him. No matter what is happening around you, you're not waffling into all the things that are going on. You are trusting Jesus. You're believing what he says. Now we really live if that's what you're doing. So then faith is about standing firm in Jesus, trusting him, believing his word in the midst of the difficulties that come upon us in this life. And God's desire is to strengthen and encourage us as to our faith. Folks, we all have become unstable at times. We've been discouraged, but that's not God's will. God wants us to be set up and established. He wants us to be encouraged, not discouraged. He wants us to stand firm in the Lord, and that is only done in the context of faith. So how does he do this? How does God strengthen and encourage us as to our faith? How would Timothy encourage and strengthen them how would timothy remove instability to their faith how would timothy encourage them if they're discouraged well what do we see in scripture romans 10:17 so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of christ faith comes about through the context of the word of god being proclaimed and truly heard The primary means in which God strengthens and establishes and builds us up in regard to our faith in Jesus is through the word of God. We saw that earlier in chapter 2. The Apostle Paul imparted the word of God. It was the word of God that the Apostle Paul spoke and that he was approved by God to speak and entrusted with. It was the word of God these Thessalonians received and accepted as the word of God. And what did Paul say in verse 13 back in chapter 2? He said, and for this reason, we constantly thank God for when you received that when you received the word, when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which performs its work in you who believe. It's the word of God that God uses to work in our hearts to strengthen and comfort us as regards in regards to the faith. Take, for instance, the Apostle Paul who episterizoed the souls of the disciples in Antioch. Turn to Acts chapter 14. He strengthened them. Acts 14, verse 21. And after they, that's Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel in that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Maniconia, and then to Antioch. Notice what he says. Episterizoing, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging, there's that word encourage, them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They're telling them the truth. Look a little farther in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 30. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Isn't that great? And Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, notice this, encouraged and strengthened The brethren with what? A lengthy message. Isn't that wonderful? 
sadly, we will live in a day where people can't endure sound doctrine. They don't want a lengthy message. They want a 23-minute sermon or maybe a 33-minute sermon. That's a long one. But if you're in Christ, you want to be encouraged. You want to be strengthened. And God's Word is what is used to do that. And they were encouraged, praise the Lord, with a lengthy message. What about Acts chapter 20, Paul's last words to the Ephesian elders? What does he say? Who does he commend them to? He says, and now, verse 32, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, to God and his word, which is able to build you up, he says, and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. It's God through his word that we are strengthened and encouraged. God, through the word of God in the context of faith in Jesus, is that which will cause us to stand firm. So we need to remember that's how God does it. You know, we want to be comforted and encouraged in so many different ways, but God does it through his word by revealing the truth of what's really happening and the truth about him, a loving God who cares for you and cared for you and died for you. It is the word of God that strengthens us in the context of faith so that we will stand firm. But it's also the word of God that comforts us. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Speaking of the word of God, by the way. That through the perseverance and what's this word? Encouragement. That's our word. Perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope it's the word of god that encourages us and as we'll see it's god's word that encourages us and god sends people to encourage us with his word but notice the next verse it's not simply the word by itself it is the word spoken and brought forth by god in his word verse five now may the god who gives same two things that come from the word of god God who gives perseverance and encouragement. God is the one who gives encouragement. And he does it through the word of God. And he grants you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. You want to be comforted in your difficulties? Let God speak to you through his word. Let him strengthen you. That's the only way. Now, brothers and sisters will come alongside you and speak the word of God to you. Listen to them. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God being preached. You see, there's no comfort from any other place. And you've got to understand this because you're probably seeking comfort all over the place. But there's no comfort from any other place. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 1 say? Let's turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Don't look for your comfort in anywhere else than the Lord through his word, by the way. If you, you never find it, you'll find temporal comfort, which isn't it. It's bogus. It's fake. It'll lead you to more distress, by the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and God of what? All comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we have been comforted, with which ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so the comfort is abundant through Christ. But many of you are not experiencing his comfort and strengthening because you are not allowing the word to permeate your heart. You may not be allowing those who are coming alongside you in your difficulty and saying, hey, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You're not listening. God comforts through his word. As in regards to our faith, he also establishes us. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, just right after our passage. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice this. Don't ever forget it. It's not simply the word itself. It's God through the word. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, what, what is he going to do? Look at this. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good word and work. God is the one who does that. 
And he does it through his word. And here we see he's doing it through his word by his servant being sent, Timothy, to share the word of God, to build them up. You say, how do I know Timothy's going to share the word of God? It's implied in our passage, but turn to another passage which states it clearly. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's implied throughout our passage. That's what Timothy's going to do. He's going to share the word of God. He's going to comfort and strengthen them through God's word. So God is doing it through him. 1 Corinthians 4, 14. Paul says to the Corinthians, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, you would not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus for in Christ Jesus I became a father through the gospel. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. And what's he going to say? For this reason I have sent, Timothy, sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will, notice what he says, he will remind you of all my ways which are in Christ Jesus. And then notice what he says, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy's going to remind you of the word of God that I teach. That which I follow, he's saying. That which I obey in that context. Timothy's going to share the word of God. He's going to remind you of what Paul teaches in every church. And so back in our passage, Paul is sending Timothy, Timothy to strengthen and encourage them as to the faith. Some of you need encouragement. Some of you need strengthening in regards to your faith in Jesus. Get into the word of God and let him build you up and encourage you. But I want to encourage you also, this doesn't happen unless there's a humility also. We see this process being done in the context of humble prayer also. One last passage. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word may spread, where the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it also did with you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith, saying, Pray, pray for us, that we'd be delivered. And then notice what he says about them being delivered. But the Lord is faithful, and he will sterizo you, he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Brothers and sisters, not only do we go to the Word of God, but we go to the God of the Word. And we ask Him to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. In the context of humility, we come to His Word. We tremble at His Word. So then, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you, as to your faith. Do you need encouragement? Do you need strengthening? Let God do it through his word. He does it through his people too. Hopefully he's doing it through me right now as his word is going out for you. Listen to the word of God. Let people bring it to you. Sometimes we shut out the people who are actually trying to help us in the difficulties. Let the Lord bring you the word of God to strengthen you and encourage you. Paul sent Timothy to stabilize, to build and encourage them in their faith through the word. And that's what God desires to do for us. When you're going through difficulties, know the Lord loves you. And listen to his word and let others encourage you with it and strengthen you. Let God do it ultimately, that your eyes would stand firm and stay on Christ. Do you see why it's so important to be in fellowship with other believers in the body of Christ, to be built up through the word of God, to humbly receive it in the context of prayer? Now, obviously we can't gather together right now, but we can call, we can encourage, we can do all these things. It's so important. Listen to the word and let yourself be encouraged and strengthened that you would stand firm in Jesus. Not one of us should be waffling and faltering because of this corona thing. Come on, we shouldn't be. But yet, we're tempted to. And God loves us. He doesn't want it to be that way. That's not his will. He wants us to be strengthened and encouraged. Let him do it through his word, brothers and sisters. Let him do it. 
Receive it like the Thessalonians did and like they did Timothy, as we'll see. So how are we to endure the difficulties that come upon us? First of all, we need to remember God uses his word to strengthen and encourage us as to the faith. But secondly, as we're going to see here from our passage, we need to know there are dangers to our faith, and we need to know what they are so that we can allow God to protect us from those dangers as we encounter them in difficult situations. Indeed, the Apostle Paul was very concerned for these Thessalonians' faith in, in the context of suffering and temptations. And I, we're going to see two specific areas of temptation, one on the inside and one from the outside. And they're both dangerous. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to, as to, uh, your faith, as to your faith, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. Here's the reason why he sent Timothy in the regards to their faith, why they needed to be strengthened and encouraged, because he was concerned that they might be disturbed by these afflictions, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. The term affliction speaks of pressure, thlipsis. The Thessalonians were encountering great physical, mental, and spiritual pressure because of what they were suffering. We understand that, don't we? Sometimes we apply it to ourselves, but they were encountering that. And the term disturbed is an interesting term. It literally means the wag of a tail, speaking of a dog, going to and fro, And in the passive voice here, it speaks of being carried away emotionally by circumstances. Isn't that the danger we have? It sure is. Being shaken, disturbed, or unsettled. Being wagged back and forth in our emotions. Is this not what happens when our eyes get pulled off Jesus onto our circumstances? We get disturbed and carried away emotionally? Is this not the temptation we have from the inside, by the way, to be carried away emotionally? Remember when Jesus came to uh, the disciples in the boat, walking on the water, and he, he called Peter to come on out, and Peter was walking out. You can read this in Matthew chapter 14. When was it when Peter started sinking? When he pulled his eyes off Jesus and saw the waves in the storm, that's when he started sinking, and Jesus said, you know, why did you doubt? You talked about you have little faith. You see, when we're in the storms of life and the difficulties, our eyes get pulled off Jesus. And we can become emotionally disturbed by these afflictions. And guess what? Nothing is going to help you in that, apart from God, through his word, strengthening and encouraging you. That is the solution. He says, send a Timothy to do that so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. Some of you have been emotionally carried away by the suffering you're going through. God loves you. He doesn't want that to happen. So let him strengthen you and encourage you through his word, even by his people. Let him do that. He sent Timothy specifically through Paul. He sent Timothy to do that. He loves you. Maybe there are some around you that are trying to help you. You're emotionally being distressed by what's going on and people are calling you. Say, hey, trust the Lord. You've got to listen to them. Rely on him. They're sharing his word with you. Listen. Listen. Allow God's word to encourage you and strengthen you. And he will do so. That's his will if you'll let him. If you'll let him, if you believe the truth. Now notice the Apostle Paul reminds them of the reality that we are all destined for these temporal afflictions, and they knew it. Middle of verse 3, For you yourselves know, and it's an intense, you've known in the past, you still know it, you know this, we know it too, brothers and sisters, even though we don't think about it at times. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. The term destined speaks of being set or placed. This is our destiny. In a sense, we've been destined for this temporarily. Some affliction in this life before the glories to follow. 
We know it. We know it. And we need to be reminded. Otherwise, we'll be shaken when the stuff comes. What did Jesus say in John 16, 33? These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. That's the desire. In the world, you have tribulation. No doubt. But take courage, I have overcome the world. What did Paul tell Timothy? Indeed, those who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Maybe it's, was it work? Maybe it's through a spouse, family members, whatever it might be. Maybe it's at church. And so we see here in Philippians 1.29, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's been granted to us. We've been destined for it. What does James say? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. They're going to encounter them, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you would be complete and lacking nothing. The reality is, you know we're destined for this. You know in this world we're going to have trouble. You know you're going to have difficulty for Christ. You know it, that we've been destined for this. Don't forget it. You need to know that. Don't get blindsided because there is the sufferings for the glories to follow. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is being decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, that's our word, ellipsis, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen. Now you need to think about that, brothers and sisters but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time to be not worthy to be compared to the glory. That means he was focusing on the glory to be revealed. If you're looking at what God has promised us, then you start seeing this stuff in life as much different than what you think it is. Much less in terms of its power in a sense uh, over you it has no power over you if you you yield to christ you trust him because he's going to use it for good for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this then notice what he says the affliction was predicted and it did come he says verse four for indeed while we were with you that's the first three weeks of their salvation doesn't sound like a health and wealth gospel to me sounds like you came to faith and now you're going to have trouble yes you are temporarily but it's only temporal For indeed, while we were with you, we kept telling you over and over again in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. Now, the we includes Paul also, but it includes them, I believe. So it came to pass, as you know. Paul was with them for a couple weeks. He taught them deep spiritual truth right away. You come to Christ, there is temporal suffering, but there's the glories to follow, and there are no comparison. But there is suffering. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get blindsided. But yet with that said, Paul didn't come and say at this point, just get over it. You knew it was going to come. What does he do? No, he's concerned for their faith because God is a gracious God and he's concerned. So he sends Timothy to strengthen and encourage them with the word as to their faith so that they would not be internally disturbed. Are you disturbed? Let God's word encourage you. Let believers, brothers and sisters, encourage you through the word of God. Going through trials? Let God, through his word, as you humbly go to it, believing what he says, let it strengthen you and comfort you. That's the only solution. You know, it's amazing at times as I counsel over the years, so many people want me to encourage them and strengthen them. Ultimately, I can't do that. They have to respond to the word of God that I bring through, that, that God brings through me. It's God's word that's going to encourage you and strengthen you. It's not me or someone else. It's God through that person if you're willing to listen to the word of God. 
So listen and be strengthened and encouraged because God's will is for you to be so. So then he was concerned about the temptation from the inside, but notice there's also a temptation from the outside. From the outside. Verse 5. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I sent... I also sent to find out about your faith. For this reason, the fact that they're destined for affliction, it's coming and it came. He says, when I could endure it no longer, he says, says uh, I also sent to find out about your faith. Paul's reflecting the nature of Christ, our great shepherd who loves us and is concerned about our faith. Again, he doesn't say just get over it. He says, I sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you. I couldn't endure it any longer. I need to find out about your faith. How are you doing in Jesus? Are you trusting him or not? Are you believing what he said or not? Are you focused on him or the circumstances? Very concerned. Very concerned. I also sent to find out about your faith. Again, in the midst of afflictions and dangers and trials, that's when our faith Wavers when we pull our eyes off Jesus, become emotionally disturbed. Don't let it happen. If it has happened, let God strengthen you. Confess your unbelief. Let God strengthen you and encourage you. There is great dangers in the midst of trials. Notice Paul says, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you. End of verse 5, or middle. And our labor should be in vain. There's another thing going on here. First of all, I didn't want you to be disturbed. I didn't want you to be disturbed about that. Um, I didn't want you to be disturbed, but also there's something else. The tempter is out there. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. There is the great danger in the midst of trials that we might succumb to Satan's temptation. The devil's called the tempter. And he tempts us to doubt God's word, what God has said. He tempts us to focus on our trials, to see things from the human perspective. And folks, he's looking for one of you to destroy. Scripture says he prowls about like a roaring lion. Take a look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And the context is trials, by the way, where he prowls around. He wants to destroy you so that you will just be disturbed and destroyed in, in your lack of faith in Jesus in the midst of these trials. 1 Peter 5.8 Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith. Believe the truth concerning Jesus and what he said. Knowing, notice this, you've got to know this, knowing you're, you're just where you're supposed to be, your other brothers and sisters are, are suffering too. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are around the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal comfort or glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Paul was concerned about their faith, that the tempter might have gotten to him. Tempted to have their eyes pulled off Jesus and onto the trials. Tempted to be focused on the things of this world, not the things of Christ. Tempest to be, tempted, tempted to be myopic about things, to see just what's happening rather than to see it through the sovereignty of God and his love for us. Where are Satan's temptations? He tempts us to doubt God's word, to doubt him, to focus on our own will, our own ways, and what the world is, what's happening in the world rather than the things above. But resist him, firm in the faith. Firm in the truth that God has revealed, believing it and trusting in Jesus. And notice, he was concerned that the tempter might have got a hold of their thinking, that their labor should be in vain. This is very interesting. End of verse 5. And our labor being vain. What was their labor? Their labor was sharing the word that they would be built up. Paul said in, first, in Colossians chapter 1 that 
We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man that we might present every man complete in Christ. And for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. The labor was declaring Christ, admonishing and teaching. And if we respond, we're changed. But if we don't, then that labor is in vain. And if Satan gets a hold of us, that labor is in vain. But there's another element to this. Not only does Satan tempt us to doubt God, he also tempts us to not see those who bring the word rightly so that we won't listen to the word. You say, how do I say this? How would their labor be in vain? Notice what he's saying. We see that Satan tempts us to doubt, but he also tempts believers to see those who bring the word wrongly, that the labor would be in vain. How did I get this? Just keep reading. Look at verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and then notice what else he says, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. Good news, your faith and love, but also good news, you have the right view of us. You long to see us. You see, earlier the Apostle Paul was defending himself because of those bad guys who were trying to, to slander him and thus the word that came through him, thus it would be in vain. Satan's ways have not changed. We have seen that around here where Satan uses wicked men and deceived brethren to malign ministry. And how do they do that? They attack the one who brings the word. And guess what the result is? The labor in their lives and the people that follow them is in vain. It's in vain. Paul was concerned about that, that Satan would have got to him. But folks, resist him, firm in the faith. Let God strengthen and encourage you through his word, through his word. So then how can we stand firm in the midst of suffering and difficulties? Remember, God uses his word, and often it's through his servants, it certainly is, to strengthen and encourage us. Remember, there are real dangers to standing firm in the faith. That we might be emotionally tossed to and fro rather than trusting Christ. Secondly, that Satan might tempt us to doubt God's word and put disparity on those who bring the word. And lastly, notice, not only do we need to know that God does this and watch out for the dangers, we need to respond. Now, we don't have time to look at this, so I'm just going to read it briefly and point out, look at their response. We need to receive the word and respond. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come from, come to us from you and has brought good news of your faith and love. Hey, good news. Their trust in the Lord and their love in one another. And that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us as we also long to see you. Hey, whew. Paul couldn't endure it any longer, but he's got the good news. They're walking with the Lord as evidenced by their faith and love and desire to see Paul. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. Through your faith. That's it. For now, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Again, no time to go through this today, but just grasp the main point. We need to not only know that God strengthens and encourages through the word, we need to know not only that there's dangers, we need to respond in faith. It's time to respond in faith, brothers and sisters. We should not be waffling in our faith in the midst of what's going to happen financially because of this virus. What's going to happen? We should not be waffling at all. We should be going to the word of God and trusting him and believing what he said and seeing things through eternal realities and letting God, the God of all comfort, Comfort us in our afflictions. We should be different. And that response is good news. And that encourages those, as we will see, who share the word. Those who have the heart of our Savior, who want us to be strengthened and encouraged. So then, how does God take away spiritual instability? How does he strengthen us and comfort us in regards to our faith? He uses the word to do it as we humbly depend on him. Some of you have been emotionally carried away. Not for Christ, but out of this virus thing you've been emotionally carried away. God is gracious. God is kind. He doesn't want you to be emotionally carried away. 
He wants to strengthen and encourage you. Would you let him do it? I pray you've done so today. Some of you have allowed Satan to devour you in a sense. Your faith is is waffling. Your attitudes towards his people and his word are, are, are waffling. Confess and let God strengthen and encourage you because the same sufferings are going on with his people around the world and God will personally strengthen, establish, and build you up. He's faithful. Brothers and sisters, we need to allow God through his word to strengthen and encourage us in difficulties. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage. You are so gracious and so kind. I thank you for the example that you brought forth through your servant Paul and Timothy, Lord God. I thank you for the Thessalonians who truly did respond, Lord, who were strengthened and encouraged, who manifest faith. Lord, I pray for this body. Lord, you know from my heart that uh, it grieves me greatly when people are not trusting you, when people are disturbed emotionally, Lord God, through the trials they're going through, and you know that. And you're a gracious God, you're kind, and you want to strengthen and encourage them. I pray they would allow you to do so. They would humble themselves and believe the truth of your word that we all could rejoice together in how faithful you are in having delivered us from these difficulties over and over again. Lord, thank you so much for your kindness and your mercy in Christ. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.